serve on PCS staff. Um, and we've been going through a series, uh, Why Believe, and tonight we come to Why Share. But before we actually turn to that particular topic, I wanted to introduce it um, through a certain lens to get you thinking. Um, so you know, consider this. We live in a place and we live in an age where people voice their opinions. And not, this is not anything new. There's usually not really much new in the world. But this is not anything new. As long as there have been human beings, there have been human beings eager to share their opinions and pass on their wisdom or what they feel like they have um, in terms of wisdom. Aristotle taught 2,400 years ago that the good life consisted of accumulating health, wealth, knowledge, and friends. Machiavelli told rulers 500 years ago to make people fear you when you ruled and that the ends justify the means. I totally disagree with him, by the way. <laughs> but these are opinions that people still study and argue about today. So on the one hand, voicing opinions, this is nothing new. But on the other hand, the platforms by which we can share our opinions and the volume at which they come at us, like that is completely new. Like it is unprecedented. I mean, if you want to hear people's opinions about a movie or a show, you go to Rotten Tomatoes. A restaurant, you've got Yelp. A vacation, TripAdvisor. Reasons why President Trump should be impeached, go to CNN. <laughs> Reasons why President Trump should not be impeached, you go to... <laughs> you go to Fox News. Like, do you want to know what your favorite musician's thoughts and opinions are today? You just follow them on Twitter. Uh, what about your family and friends and what they're thinking about today or this week? You go to Facebook. I mean, my goodness, when you go to Amazon and you purchase something, usually right there at the bottom after you purchase something is customers who bought that also bought these things, right? They're giving you their opinion of what else you need to buy. And that's not all. Like, like opinion giving, advice giving, it's a multi-billion dollar industry all around us. Right? Like financial advisors tell us where to invest our money, given your age and your goals and your finance or your risk um, risk tolerance. It's a, it's a sixty billion dollar industry. Dietitians tell us what kinds of foods we should eat and shouldn't eat. Fashion companies tell us what's currently in style or out of style. College counselors and coaches, you know, they help you put together your resume so that you can be competitive when you're presented before a college um, admissions board. And there are consultants, this is, you know, you're, some of you are going to become consultants, lawyers, doctors, they all get paid a lot of money to use their expertise to speak in other people's situations. Uh, and one last one, one, I've been following this, maybe some of you have, about a week ago, a man named Daryl Morey, he's the general manager of the Houston Rockets in the NBA, he tweeted his support for the protesters in Hong Kong. He, he voiced his opinion uh, on Twitter. And he sided with the protesters. And the Chinese government, they voiced their opinion. They responded by retaliating and canceling many of their NBA contracts. And, and they actually said they should, that the NBA should fire uh, Daryl Morey. And right now, the NBA continues to uphold the, top, the right to free speech and the right to voice their opinion. But this will potentially cost the NBA billions of dollars if nothing changes. <laughs> so there you have it. Right? We live in an age where people widely, freely, and enthusiastically share and voice their opinions. We accept this as a normal part of what it means to be human. 
except for the most part when it comes to talking about things like God or faith or ultimate meaning and purpose. It is common in this day and age, right? It's not true all the time, but of course it is common that people are discouraged from sharing their thoughts about God or faith or meaning or purpose or even shamed into not doing it. It's, it's hard in certain circles to share your religious beliefs or your religious opinions. It's acceptable to voice your opinion about climate change and all the reasons why it is real and what we ought to do about it, but it is not acceptable in certain places and at certain times, typically, if you would like to talk about who you think Jesus is or why he came or what his mission was or why he had to die. And let's be honest, like, it's a double standard, right? There is a double standard here. Now, I will say this about questions for quesadillas on campus, that for the last many years, the students who are sending in their questions, asking genuine questions about faith, about God, about religion, about meaning, they are genuinely interested in an answer. And often it moves into a very significant conversation. So I think, at least among the student body, there's a genuine openness to talking about um, these very important matters. But still, it's true, you know that out there, there are times where we are largely discouraged from doing that. So tonight, I want us to answer the question, why share? Right, especially given the, some of the challenges that are out there. That if you're a follower of Christ, why speak up? Why talk to others about God? Jesus. And my goal tonight is to give us confidence and courage in sharing the Christian message when God gives you an opportunity. Okay? And the text that will help us get to that place of confidence is Matthew 28, the last five verses of his gospel. And these are actually the final words of Jesus that Matthew records in his gospel. So listen as I read. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. And it's eleven because Judas is no longer so then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, always, to the very end of the age. So as you hear that, right, the words of Jesus, he spoke these words days after his death and resurrection. And it's usually, this passage is usually called the Great Commission, because it's in this place where Jesus tasks his disciples with one of their greatest purposes in life, that is to follow, that is to tell other people about him. And the center of this commissioning is right there in verse 19, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. So tonight, if you are a follower of Jesus, then he has commissioned you and me to speak up and to tell others about him. He's commissioned us to go. Jesus wants people everywhere. He says, you know, all go to all nations. He wants people everywhere to come to know him and to come to know what it means to live for him and 
to see and to find the joy in that. So I want to use this text tonight to highlight three reasons. Three reasons to share and to speak up. And again, the hope is that by, it would give us the confidence and the courage to speak up whenever God gives us the opportunity. So reason number one. I share because God has done something extraordinary for me, and I want others to know. Notice what the disciples are doing before they're commissioned by Jesus. It's in verse 17. I had it right up there. They worship him. Right? What is the motivation that fuels us to talk about Jesus with others? It's in, in one word, it's right there, it's worship. Our motivation is not, okay, I have to go out there and, and tell people about these 10 essential truths about Jesus, or I have to go out there and I have to give Jesus good publicity. No, our baseline motivation <laughs> is that we are worshipers of Jesus. And what that means is that there, there's a gratitude for what he has done for you, you're in awe of his power. You are secure in his goodness and that his promises for you will never fail. You are joyful that his kingdom, unlike this world, his kingdom will never end. And in light of that, in light of who he is and what he has done and what he has given us, we worship him. And then it's in that we want other people to enter into that worship. To come to know Jesus in the same way and to worship him for who he is. So some of you, I know that some of you have been impacted, like significantly impacted by a teacher, by a coach, or by a family member. And whenever you get the opportunity, you, you, you enjoy telling others about how much of a difference this person has made in your life. And we are so quick to sing the praises of another. Especially when that other has loved us, has sacrificed us for us, has given themselves for our good, right? A little slip here. <laughs> Not sacrificed us. <laughs> Jesus, he commissions the disciples the moment they are worshiping him. And they're supposed to go and tell others about him, and it's supposed to be fueled by a sense that they understand how much he has loved them, how he has sacrificed for them, and that he is out for their good. Right? Just like that significant person in your life that you're eager to tell others about. So, I mean, do you have that sense of gratitude in your heart, that sense of worship in your heart for Jesus? I know it's the Friday before midterms, and you are weighed down by thinking about that, and you have lots of responsibilities, and you have even responsibilities that lurk beyond that. I know that, but I'm talking about... A, is there something in your heart? Are you holding on to that reality that Jesus has done good things for me? And one of my favorite moments in the Gospel of Mark is Mark 5. Jesus heals somebody, somebody who was way beyond hope. And even the townspeople knew that this person had no hope. And after Jesus healed this man, with this, he just healed the man with a single, simple word, and the man said, he actually, the text says he begged Jesus. He said, Jesus, let me come with you. I'm going to help you in your ministry. I'm going to be with you. I am ready. Here I come. 
And Jesus, you would think of all the people out there, are so eager. Jesus, you would think Jesus would, you know, accept them into the, the, the group of the disciples. But Jesus says, no. And the, the next words of Jesus are so telling. He says, you're not coming with me. And he says, go home to tell your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And that's what the man does. So genuine worship includes a willingness to tell others about how much the Lord has done for you. And by the way, I, I think people generally are willing to listen to these kinds of stories because they are personal. Right? Stories that say, this is what God has done for me. This is what I believe. And for those of you who are going to be involved with Pew for Pew this weekend, or maybe next week, you're going to have an opportunity to talk to a roommate or a study partner, or maybe over fall break, you're going to be at home, you're going to talk to a high school friend or a family member. An opportunity to talk about faith, to talk about God. Right? Think about personalizing your answer when you talk to people. So take Q for Q, for example. If somebody asks you a question about how can a good God allow evil and suffering, certainly give them a theological answer. That's a hard question, a good question that deserves a theological answer. But is there a way that you can personalize it, too? I mean, why do you personally continue to cling to God's goodness in the midst of suffering in your own life or the evil that you see in the world? How have you seen God do good things in your life through suffering, despite how difficult it is um, to cling to God, yet you still continue to cling to God? Why do you do that? Share something personal in addition um, to some of the answers you might get. Connect it back to worship and trusting God. Testify to somebody else that God and Jesus are worthy of your worship and trust. And by implication, God and Jesus are worthy of their worship and trust as well. We share because God has done something extraordinary for us, and then we want others to know about it. That's the first reason. The second reason, I share because people need Jesus. In verse 18, it's up here, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is hard to hear that and have it fully settled in. Right? Take, uh, here's, take all of the billionaires in the world, all of the world leaders, all the Nobel Prize winners, all the top medical experts, the social influencers, the leading innovators, entrepreneurs, put them all in the same room and add up all of their authority. And Jesus says, my authority is greater than all of them. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, he is using the word all. And go back to that room example. Do any of those people who have significant authority on this earth have the authority to bring me or you through death? Maybe the top medical experts can give us a few more days, months, or years. But it is only Jesus who says, I have the authority over death itself. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die, John 11. Do any of those people have the authority to enable us to stand before God with confidence, in whom, to, a God to whom all of us have to give an account? 
And the Apostle Paul says to all of us, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. And, and, and Paul says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has the authority over our sin, over our shame, and he has the authority to reconcile us to a holy God and to make peace. Do any of these people in that room have authority over the world's many injustices? And well, actually, yes, some of them do. But it's an imperfect authority. It's one where they fail, because there are many injustices that pass through the hands of these authorities, and now they're just sadly forgotten, or relegated to nothing can be done about that anymore. But Jesus sees all. He does not forget. He will bring all to complete justice. He says, the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And elsewhere, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, Jesus says. Anything that was hidden and, and forgotten it will be disclosed, and it will that which is hidden will be made known. And he also, and Paul also says, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus' authority is extensive. He wants authority over our lives. He claims to know the meaning of life, the purpose of life, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, life is supposed to center on me. So Jesus declares, all authority has been given to me. And, and then the reality that flows out of this is that people need Jesus. You just really can't see it any other way when it comes to the things that Jesus says about himself. People need Jesus. It is one thing to say that, okay, this is what I believe, right? I believe in Jesus, and it's good to say that. It is another thing, it's a difficult thing to say that, well, you should believe in Jesus too. And if we do say that, we should say that with respect, great thoughtfulness, and a genuine love for the other person that we're talking to. But this is what makes sharing Jesus with others different than pushing a preference on them, like whatever your favorite color is, like, you know, trying to convince them that that should be their favorite color, too. Or, you know, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. If I was trying to convince you that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the greatest franchise, football franchise ever, like, that's, that's just a personal preference and opinion, right? That's not what we're doing when we're sharing about Jesus with others when we have the opportunity. Somebody said, at the end of the day, we don't believe the gospel because it's helpful, or because it's prettier, or because it's our upbringing. We believe the gospel because it's true. Not just a preference, but true. Truth about the way the world is and the way the world works. So either Jesus truly has all authority, like he says, or he doesn't. And one of the things that I've been thinking about in terms of this dynamic is think of the gospel as a as a disrupting narrative. Right? People are living by a certain narrative. They're trying to figure out how to live in the world, finding meaning and purpose as best they can. Um, but they're living by their own personal narrative, whatever that is. And Christians live by the narrative that actually God has broken into this world. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in him, we then live our lives with him at the center. We, we live as he calls us to live now. And, and the, the, the idea is that the creator has invaded the creation. He has died for his creatures, and this narrative just upends everything about how we see things in a good way, and it gives us joy and hope. But it's a different narrative. It's a competing, disrupting narrative that people aren't just going to necessarily believe after a two- or three-minute conversation. 
But if it's a true narrative, then it, a narrative where Jesus actually has the authority that he says he has and that his followers claim he has, then it's a narrative that ought to be, must be shared. Any of you know the, the magician's pen and teller? I see some people shaking their head. Okay, a lot of people shaking their head. Okay, all right. So Penn, um, he, he talked about this very thing. If you know anything about him, he's an atheist. Right? In speaking about Christianity and religion, he said, he said that Christians ought to share what they believe. So listen to what he said. He said, I've always said that I don't respect people who, who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and that people could not be getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make things socially awkward. And atheists who think people that they shouldn't evangelize and who say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself is a really long sentence. <laughs> How much do you have to hate somebody to not evangelize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not to tell them about it? I mean, I mean if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you, and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I would just tackle you. <laughs> and this, like, you know, faith, God, Jesus, this is more important than that. So I like this truck analogy, because it's really about two narratives, right? Two narratives colliding. I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the road, and I think I'm fine. Somebody else sees that there's a, a truck coming down the middle of the road, and I'm not fine. Like, th those two narratives are competing narratives. It's like a doctor who has to tell a patient that they've got a difficult illness when that patient thinks they're completely healthy. Or it's like a mayor telling their coastal town to evacuate because there's a really destructive storm coming, but everybody in town thinks it's going to be fine. Right? There's, there's two competing narratives. And if you're a Christian, you've been commissioned to go out there and to share this different narrative, this narrative that Jesus has given to us with those around you. And it's a good narrative. Jesus truly does have authority over all things. But it's a disrupting narrative that calls people to put themselves under his authority. And that is not easy. It is good for them. As, as we have done it, we believe it's the best thing we could do for our lives. And so by analogy, we believe it's the best thing that they can do as well. But it is, it is hard. It's, they're competing narratives. So if you're out there this weekend, during Q4Q, or at home over fall break, and you have an opportunity to talk to somebody, pray that the Spirit would work in people's hearts, convicting them of their need to embrace a different narrative, that their narrative isn't the right one. Pray that they would come to see the truth that is in Jesus, the beauty that is in Jesus, and the grace that he extends to those who come to him, and that he truly has authority over all. We share because people need Jesus. And finally, the third reason. I share because Jesus sends me. Right? And it was very clear in his commissioning. He says in verse 19, therefore go. Right? There are some things that Jesus said in his ministry that can be really difficult to interpret. This is just not one of them. <laughs> right? Therefore go. It, it, it means you don't keep your feet planted. You don't embrace the status quo. You don't keep silent. It means you move your feet to walk through doors of opportunity that God will give you, and then you speak up when he does.
does when you get a chance. So if you go to Q, if you do Q for Q this weekend, and you talk to others, you engage them in conversation. You, you guys go out in groups of two, right? Yeah, for the most part. No, you don't. It's a trick question. <laughs> There are three of you. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not a Christmas card moment where I'm just trying to make you feel good, right? Like, Jesus said, therefore go, make disciples of all nations. And then what does he say at the very end of the commissioning? He says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Always, right? So there is, sometimes I just wish that, you know, Jesus would come back and that he would do the going for us. Like, that, could he please speak up and talk to others? Like, the people that I love who don't know him, could he, could he do the talking with them, right? Might sound something like this, like, like hi, I'm Jesus. Let me introduce you to myself. Because <laughs> I just feel like he would have such better things to say than what I can come up with in my stumbling, bumbling way. But if you hear the great commission that Jesus gives, right, go... I will be with you. The promise is that as you go, as you listen to him, it will not just be you speaking, or if you for you, just you and you know the person you go out with speaking. It's not just the two of you. He is truly with you, speaking through you. You're never alone. He promises to be with you. And I, I, I can't explain how that works. I mean, I know through the, the scriptures that it's because his spirit is with us. That's, that's part of it. But I can't explain it. It's somewhat mysterious. But I trust him that when we go, we are not alone. When we speak, when we do so humbly, prayerfully, we are not just speaking our own words. But we are. he is speaking through us. So that should give us great confidence that he speaks through us. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And then Paul says, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. It gives God great delight and Jesus great glory to use broken, bumbling, stumbling people like us when we open up our mouths and share the gospel others. And we can trust that when we enter into that, that he will use us, that he will speak through us. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus predicted that through his people, the harvest is plentiful, that many, many people would come to know him through what we say. And 2,000 years later, he is absolutely right. Billions of people have heard other people talk about him, and other people have put their faith in him. Billions of people, right? The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. And now, today, there are still people who have yet to come into that community. And Jesus will bring more people into that community, and he's going to use you, and he's going to use me when we speak up on his behalf. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Expect God to bring people into knowledge of faith in Christ. Expect God to use you when you are submitting yourself to him and surrendering yourself to him. So let's make this our prayer. Whether it's this weekend or in the weeks beyond, 
that we would be courageous, that we'd be confident to go, to speak up, and to trust that we are speaking the very words that Jesus himself would speak because he's with us and because he's in us. We share because Jesus sends us and he says he's always with us. So may God bless you and strengthen you in his grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise, we worship you because of who you are. Thank you for coming to us, for entering into our world, dying and rising again for us. We do not deserve such grace, but you have done it, and now we have life and hope. And I pray if there's anybody here who, who is still investigating these things, anybody here tonight who's still thinking about you, considering putting their faith in you, I pray that you would open up their eyes to see your glory, your beauty, your grace, your love, your holiness in a deeper way tonight. But Lord Jesus, you are just getting started with us. You have saved us <coughs> to send us. So you tell us, therefore, go. Give us the courage to go to the people and places that you have for us. Give us the confidence to speak up. And when we do, we pray that you would speak through us. And we pray for those around us, friends, family members, acquaintances, those who do not yet know you. We pray that they would come to see your love, your authority over all things, and the reality of your narrative, the true narrative in a clearer way. Bring many people into a restored relationship with your Father through your Spirit. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.